The purpose of poetry is to remind us how difficult it is to remain just one person. For our house is open, there are no keys in the doors, and invisible guests come in and out at will. Czeslaw Milos at the Poetry Center in 1993. What I'm saying here is not I agree poetry, as poems should be written rarely and reluctantly, under unbearable duress, and only with the hope that good spirits, not evil ones, choose us for their instrument. He's a poet who lived through some of the most violent and extraordinary events of the European part of the 20th century. He never makes a move that looks predictable or conventional. He is a poet who tries to answer the questions which are important to very many people. I must say I try always to liberate from the past, which doesn't mean forgetting. Czeslaw Milos has been giving poetry readings at the Poetry Center of the 92nd Street Y in New York City for the past 27 years. Poets like Octavio Paz, Gwendolyn Brooks, and Derek Walcott have appeared at the center since 1939. Now, WNYC New York Public Radio and the Unterberg Poetry Center celebrate these poets. The poet's voice honors Czeslaw Milos. I'm Blair Brown. Czeslaw Milos has been called a poet of witness. He's lived through the Nazi occupation of Poland and the subsequent Soviet domination of the country. He's seen the death of friends and the destruction of old ways of life. Yet through it all, he's been a worldly, heartfelt poet and a thoughtful student of philosophy and religion. Over the course of his life, Milos has traveled from the farmlands of Poland to the boulevards of Paris to the hills of Berkeley, California. In that journey, he's examined the past, the impact of history, and the contradictions of modern life. Poet Robert Haas. Milos has always wanted to make an account of the world, an account of history and the human place in it. And so it gives his work as testimony, a kind of historical force and sweep that I think is extremely rare in 20th century poetry. Pure beauty, benediction. You are all I gathered from a life that was bitter and confused, in which I learned about evil, my own, and not my own. Wonder kept seizing me, and I recall only wonder. Czeslaw Milos was born in Lithuania in 1911. His father, a civil engineer, soon moved the family to Russia, where he was drafted to design highways and bridges for the Russian army. At the end of World War I, the family returned to Vilno, which had become Polish territory. Milos studied at universities in Vilno and Warsaw, and he helped organize a group of political poets. He earned a law degree, won his first poetry award, and was given a grant to study in France. But by the beginning of World War II, Milos was back in Poland. 
He was forced to flee from Soviet-controlled Vilno to Nazi-occupied Warsaw, where he observed censorship, the repression of civil rights, and the increasing violence against the Jews. Milos and other writers joined the socialist resistance movement, writing and distributing underground poetry. In 1944, one million Poles fought the tanks, planes, and heavy artillery of the Nazis in the Warsaw Uprising. The city was destroyed and 200,000 people died in the protest, including nearly all of Milos's friends. The poet and his wife fled from the city soon after. In a passage from the poem Dedication, Milos addresses the war dead in language that is direct and simple yet eloquent. He wonders aloud what good is poetry in times of such suffering and subjugation. You whom I couldn't save, listen to me. Try to understand this simple speech as I would be ashamed of another. I swear there is in me no bizarrery of words. I speak to you with silence like a cloud or a tree. What strengthened me for you was little. You mixed up very well. What strengthened me for you was lethal. You mixed up farewell to an epic with the beginning of a new one. Inspiration of hatred with lyrical beauty. Blind force with accomplished shape. Here is the valley of shallow Polish rivers and an immense bridge going into white fog. Here is a broken city. And the wind throws the screams of gulls on your grave when I am talking with you. What is poetry which does not save nations or people? Here is a broken city. And the wind throws the screams of gulls on your grave when I am talking with you. What is poetry which doesn't save nations or people? When the war ended in 1945, Milos entered Poland's new diplomatic service. He represented his country in Paris, Washington, and New York. Returning to Poland four years later, Milos was shocked by the increasing Soviet control and the totalitarianism of the state. In a crisis of conscience, he applied to France for political asylum. In 1951, he went into exile. Czeslaw Milos. Simply, I couldn't look at suffering inflicted on many people. Since I couldn't scream, I broke with that government. Poet and teacher Robert Haas. You know, he began as a young leftist, as so many did in, in the 1930s, and he's stayed on the left. He's been a person who's been concerned about the fate of peoples and the ability of governments to improve their welfare. At the same time, he's been deeply suspicious of myths, including the Marxist myth, that one can make a religion out of the hope of human betterment. Paris was the city of light, attracting poets from all over Central and Eastern Europe. Milos immersed himself in the city's rich intellectual life and remained there with his wife and two sons for 10 years. He continued to write poetry, as well as two novels and many essays, including his famous denunciation of totalitarianism, The Captive Mind. 
Already knowledgeable in world literature, Miloš embraced the philosophy of two French writers, one a relative, Oscar Miloš, and the other French activist, Simon Weil. Their writings helped him come to terms with the contradictions, memories, and losses that tormented him. In the poem, Bypassing Rue Descartes, Miloš writes about Paris as a magnet for those who come from the provinces and shed their customs. He rejects Paris's status as the cultural capital of the world, and in carefully observed details, he portrays the life of the city and its émigrés. He read Bypassing Rue Descartes at the Poetry Center in 1984. By passing through the cart, I descended toward the sand, shy, a traveler, a young barbarian, just come to the capital of the world, where many, from Yassi and Kolosvar, Vilno and Bucharest, Saigon and Marrakesh, ashamed to remember the customs of our homes, about which nobody here should ever be told, the clapping for servants, barefooted girls hurry in, dividing food with incantations, choral prayers recited by master and household together. I had left the cloudy provinces behind. I entered the universal, dazzled and desiring. Soon enough, many from Yassi and Kolosvar or Saigon or Marrakesh would be killed because they wanted to abolish the customs of their homes. Soon enough, their peers were seizing power in order to kill in the name of the universal beautiful ideas. Meanwhile, the city behaved in accordance with its nature, rustling with throaty laughter in the dark, baking long breads and pouring wine into clay pitchers buying fish, lemons, and garlic at street markets, indifferent as it was to honor and shame and greatness and glory, because that had been done already and had transformed itself into monuments representing nobody knows whom, into arias hardly audible, and into turns of speech. Again, I lean on the rough granite of the embankment, as if I had returned from travels through the underworlds and suddenly saw in the light the reeling wheel of the seasons where empires have fallen and those once living are now dead. There is no capital of the world, neither here nor anywhere else. And the abolished customs are restored to their small fame. And now I know that the time of human generations is not like the time of the earth. As to my heavy sins, I remember one most vividly. How, one day, walking on a forest path along a stream, I pushed a rock down onto a water snake coiled in the grass. And what I have met with in life was the just punishment, which reaches sooner or later the breaker of a taboo. In 1961, Miloš emigrated to America. He arrived to teach at the University of California at Berkeley during the era of student protests and activism. 
Milos was initially uncomfortable with his new home. The climate and the American culture were alien to him. The poet was unknown in America and felt isolated. But he continued to write prolifically. Although fluent in English, French, and Russian, Milos composed solely in Polish, believing a poet must write in his native tongue. Poets Robert Hass and Robert Pinsky helped translate Milos's poetry into English. Robert Hass. It was like being magically immersed in someone else's intensely lived world for a long stretch of time. And then Tessov would come back from teaching and look over our efforts, and we always had questions for him, like, is this wine being poured from clay pitchers or into clay pitchers? And he would say, oh, in the bistros in the Polish working-class district of Paris in the 30s, when you ordered wine, you always got Van Ordener, and it came in these gray pitchers, and he would sketch them. He was always in love with the accurate detail, with what it was really like. Now in his 80s, Czeslaw Milos is retired from teaching, but still travels the lecture and reading circuit. After his first wife died in the 1980s, he remarried and continues to live in his home in the Berkeley Hills. Personally, he's an extremely vigorous, hale man. He uh, projects a feeling of someone who enjoys life very much. Robert Pinsky. It's not hard to picture him in his canoe and... Uh, bird-watching and knowing a lot about plants and animals, or knowing how to have a good time in Paris with throaty laughter in the dark and the long loaves of bread. Miloš's dark work can also suddenly light up with unexpected whimsy and fantasy. A serious poem is often written in childlike verse or punctuated with a comic image. In the poem Throughout Our Lands, Miloš uses humor to underscore the inexpressible complexity of the world. He compares man's understanding of life to a hedgehog's perceptions in a theater. And this passage is a joke, but the object of the joke is myself. I try to debunk my own seriousness, my own uh, philosophy. Milos reading from Throughout Our Lands at the Poetry Center in 1993. If I had to tell what the world is for me, I would take a hamster or a hedgehog or a mole and place him in a theater seat one evening and bringing my ear close to his humid snout would listen to what he says about the spotlights, sounds of the music and movements of the dance. For most of his career, Milos has rejected traditional forms in poetry. He believes poetic structures and ornaments like metaphors and symbols subdue images, calling too much attention to a poem's formal elegance. Yet when he feels a poem needs a more traditional structure, he doesn't hesitate to use one. Robert Haas. He's a magician in form. He can do anything with it. But if poets are divided up into formalists and anti-formalists, those who love the intricacy of form and those who are indifferent to it, he's an anti-formalist. At one point in his career, he said, form in poetry, like refrigeration, is often used to store bad meat. Milos's mastery of forms is nowhere more evident than in his sequence poems. In these long, ruminating works, 
the poet mingles prose and poetic passages to allow him to make radical shifts of time, place, character, and tone. City Without a Name is a sequence poem that returns to Miloš's native Vilno, recalling its two beautiful rivers, its colorful street life, vendors of bagels and cheap toys, and even a fortune teller. He contrasts the exuberance of daily life in that city with the almost silent, peaceful life in Death Valley, California. The poem is written mostly in free verse, yet in one passage, it bursts into rhythms that suggest the lyric form of an 18th century Polish madrigal. This provides a whimsical structure for the poet's somber questions about human values and priorities. Czeslaw Milos read from City Without a Name in English and Polish at the Unterberg Poetry Center in 1993. Understanding and pity, we value them highly. What else? Beauty and kisses, fame and its prizes, who cares? Doctors and lawyers, well-turned-out majors, six feet of earth, rings, furs and lashes, glances at masses, rest in peace, sweet twin breasts, good night, slip through to delight without spiders. Litości zrozumienie wysokiej mamy cenie, no bo co? Pychaciała i sława, pocałunki, brawa, komu to? Medykowie, prawnicy, oficerowie śliczni w czarnej jamie, futra, rzęsy, obrączki, uklony w słońcu pomszy, odpoczywanie. Dobranoc, piersi parzyste, śnijcie sny wiekuiste, bez pająku. Another trademark of Miloš's work is his use of polyphony, which allows him to present a variety of characters with radically different points of view. Poet and teacher Tomas Venslova. You can hear in Miloš's those many voices, the voice of praise and the voice of doubt, the scholarly voice, the philosophical voice, and the strictly poetic voice. They are made of uh, parts which are very different in style, very different in tonality even different languages from time to time. The Separate Notebooks, published in 1981, is a vivid example of Miloš's use of many voices. Three strangers are imagined in the painter Cezanne's studio. The narrator contemplates his life as he watches volcanoes in Hawaii. In another passage, Miloš allows a woman long dead to deliver a bitter monologue. It is a warning to those who spend too much time in the world of talk and ideas and too little time experiencing life itself. Miloš read this fragment from the separate notebooks at the Poetry Center in 1984. You talked, but after your talking, all the rest remains. After your talking, poets, philosophers, contrivers of romances, everything else, all the rest, deduced inside the flesh, which lives and knows, not just what is permitted. I am a woman held fast now in a great silence. Not all creatures have your need for words. Birds you killed, fish you tossed into your boat. In what words will they find rest? And in what heaven? You received gifts from me. They were accepted. But you don't understand how to think about the dead. 
the scent of winter apples, of hoarfrost, and of linen. There are nothing but gifts on this poor, poor earth. Religion raises troubling contradictions for the poet. Raised a Roman Catholic, Milos has read the work of many theologians throughout his life. He struggles with his doubt about redemption, even as he longs to believe in it. Robert Haas. He accuses himself of failing to believe what he wants to believe in, in many of his poems because he really does nurture in some way or wants to be able to nurture in spite of the ferocious doubt of the 20th century. Some idea, as he says in one of his poems, that every single grain will be restored to glory. He wants to believe in some final clarification and transformation of the sad, violent, messy world. Tomas Venslova. Milos is one of the few poets of today who has a very strong consciousness of sin, a very strong consciousness of transgression and of the fact that transgression is always punished one or the other way. Milos has composed only one poem in English. It was written as a response to a religious man who urged him to study Eastern philosophy as a cure for preoccupation with the self. Czeslaw Milos introduced and read from To Raja Rao at the Poetry Center in 1984. I had a long conversation with a Hindu philosopher and uh, writer, Raja Rao. The conversation took place in Austin, Texas. He tried to convert me without success. He's a Brahmin. And then I came back to Berkeley and I wrote a letter in the form of a poem to Raja Rao. Raja, I wish I knew the cause of that malady. For years I couldn't accept the place I was in. I felt I should be somewhere else. A city, trees, human voices lack the quality of presence. I would live by the hope of moving on. Somewhere else there was a city of real presence, of real trees and voices, and friendship, and love. Link, if you wish, my peculiar case on the border of schizophrenia to the messianic hope of my civilization. Ill at ease in the tyranny, ill at ease in the republic, in the one I longed for freedom, in the other, for the end of corruption, building in my mind a permanent police forever deprived of aimless bustle. I learned at last to say, this is my home, here, before the glowing call of ocean sunsets, on the shore which faces the shores of your Asia, in a great republic, moderately, corrupt. Raja, this didn't cure me of my guilt and shame. The shame of failing to After steadily gaining international renown, Czeslaw Milos received the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1980. One year later, the poet returned to Poland, where his work had been censored for decades. 
he received a hero's welcome. Although Milos has a dark and brooding perspective when contemplating humanity, in the poem Incantation, he exalts in both the artistic and the rational sides of man. Poet Robert Pinsky. Incantation is a poem that kind of takes your breath away with the boldness of its celebration of reason, of ideas. It's like a prayer or a charm or a spell to be muttered against despair. Czeslaw Miloš. For me, always, my problem was how to cope with evil of the world and not to succumb to despair. So this is a double movement of thought and feeling towards despair and back to love of life, even ecstatic love of life. Czeslaw Miloš read Incantation at the Poetry Center of the 92nd Street Y in 1984. Incantation, a translation done by Robert Pinsky. Human reason is beautiful and invincible. No bars, no barbed wire, no pulping of books, no sentence of banishment can prevail against it. It establishes the universal ideas in language and guides our hand so we write truth and justice with capital letters, lie and oppression with small. It puts what should be above things as they are, is an enemy of despair and a friend of hope. It doesn't know Jew from Greek or slave from master, giving us the state of the world to manage. It saves austere and transparent phrases from the filthy discord of tortured words. It says that everything is new under the sun, opens the congealed fist of the past. Beautiful and very young are philosophia and poetry, her ally in the service of the good. As late as yesterday, nature celebrated her birth. The news was brought to the mountains by a unicorn and an echo. Their friendship will be glorious. Their time has no limit. Their enemies have delivered themselves to destruction. Critic Helen Wendler has written, Miloš's genius is for the very small and the very large, the intensely sensual detail and the bleak interstellar spaces. Miloš himself has said, What surrounds us here and now is not guaranteed. It could just as well not exist. And so man constructs poetry out of the remnants found in ruins. The Poet's Voice was produced by WNYC, New York Public Radio, from recordings made at the Unterberg Poetry Center of the 92nd Street Y in New York City. The series was developed by director Carl Kirchway and managing director Melissa Hammerley of the Unterberg Poetry Center, and by special projects director Allison Chernow and managing director Larry Orfeli of WNYC Radio. The poetry consultant is J.D. McClatchy. Research assistance by Jackie Duffy-Martin. This program was written and produced by Deborah Beagle. 
Series producer is Lauren Krenzel. Post-production engineer, Edward Haber. Project manager is Eileen Delahunty. This series has been funded by a major grant from the Lila Wallace Reader's Digest Fund. Additional support for this program is provided by National Public Radio member stations and NPR, whose contributors include the National Endowment for the Arts. Thanks also to Eva Ustan. This has been a co-production of WNYC New York Public Radio and the Unterberg Poetry Center of the 92nd Street Y. I'm Blair Brown. Pure beauty, benediction, you are all I gathered from a life that was bitter and confused. This is NPR, National Public Radio.